and stand tonight. Genesis chapter 49. Genesis 49. Good to see you here tonight. And as soon as we're done with preaching, we're going to get right into the Lord's table and then let you get home and get out of the rain and the cold. How many glad to be in the warm room tonight? Amen? That's good. How many got wet when you came outside? Amen? I walked outside to grab my keys out of my car and just in, I walked out five feet and I came, I felt like I was in six feet of water when I got back in. So it was very wet outside. Genesis 49, if your neighbor next to you doesn't have a King James Version Bible, share your Bible with them. Or if they don't have an Old Testament, please read your Bible with them. Now we're going to look at an interesting passage and it's a very interesting description that Jacob gives of his son. I do not recommend any father described his son the same way. Amen? That you'll see it in just a minute. But Genesis 49 verse 14, notice what he says here. Issachar is a strong ass catching down between two burdens. And he saw that rest was good in the land that it was pleasant. And he bowed his shoulder to bear and became a servant unto tribute. Father, today we thank you for a wonderful day in church. Thank you for those who spent time preparing for lessons those who prepared snacks, those who prepared activities for the children, nursery workers, Lord, who labored and spent time helping watch children and babies so that parents could enjoy the service. Thank you for, Lord, the many hours our choir and our orchestra prepare and rehearse and repeat it and repeat it and repeat it and rehearse and rehearse so that, Lord, we can be blessed by the special music. Thank you, Lord, for the background, <clears throat> a lot of the backroom stuff that goes on in prep preparing for the messages, Lord, for a lot of the PowerPoint presentations. And thank you today, Lord, for our ushers who help usher and, and uh, to be a blessing to folks and our greeters who were in their places and drivers in their places. And Father, most importantly, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he is our Savior. Thank you that he's the blessed hope whom we look for, that as, as we sang about tonight, that Christ will be coming again. And Lord, as we think about our world and the direction it's heading into, we can't help but think that, Lord, with all the calamities happening, that Jesus is coming soon. Lord, would you help us tonight? I look around the room and I see people, Lord, who are tired and weary and folks who are God who've labored and some who've been here all day and thank God that, Lord, they've just spent their day here just getting prepared for church. But, Lord, this is still the Lord's day. It's the day and the night where, Lord, you're to be worshiped and adored. The Bible says about the Apostle John that he was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. And I pray this hour to be much in the Spirit right now, anointed and clothed and, uh, Lord, saturated with the Spirit of God. I pray this hour that you touch the words that will come off the Scriptures and out of my mouth. It will be a blessing and help. I pray that you give me the tongue of the learned to give a word to those who are weary tonight. And I pray this evening that you help some who are discouraged to be recharged. Help those who are sick and infirm, which we have many folks in our church who are sick right now, who, Lord, need, need a touch on their bodies. God, you give them help and strength. Bless us tonight. <clears throat> Work deeply in our souls. Thank you for the word of God, that it liveth and abideth forever. Lord, we, 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 are, we have a limited duration, but thank God the word of God will never end. Thank God heaven and earth shall pass away, but Jesus said my word shall never pass away. And as we hold the timeless truths of your word and consider we have a more sure word of prophecy, bless and use your word to edifying and building us up in the word of your grace. Strengthen us, stir us, stimulate us, Lord. Help us tonight to leave a changed people as the choir sang about. And we'll thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. We've been on a study of the, of the sons of Jacob. We looked at Reuben, and Simeon and Levi, Judah, and last week we looked at Zebulun. Tonight we're looking at the son who was the ninth son, but the fifth by Leah. His name is Issachar. We look at verses 14 and 15, only two things, two verses are given about Issachar. You look at them, you kind of wonder, where is the lesson in this? He says, Issachar is a strong ass couching between two burdens. 
And he saw that rest was good and the land that it was pleasant. And he bowed his shoulder to bear and became a servant and a tribute. Now, if you look at the passage very carefully, you see three things about this young man. First of all, we notice in verse 14, he's described as being strong. That's a good thing. He's described as being durable. He's described as someone having endurance. He's described as being very strong. He can carry great burdens. He has great capacity. He has great endurance. He's strong. Notice the second thing we find in verse 15. It says that he saw the rest was good. We see a focus on his strength, but notice number two, we see a focus on what he sees, on his sight. What do you see tonight? What do you see on the horizon? What do you see for your life? What do you see for 2019? What do you see in the lives of people? What do you see in the eyes of people? The Bible says that he saw that rest was good. The focus is on his strength. The focus is on his sight. But notice there's a third thing we see here tonight. We see his strength. We see his sight. Did you notice his service? Verse 15 tells us, he became a servant unto tribute. What lessons does Jacob have for us and God have for us concerning this son by the name of Issachar? I want you to see three things tonight as before we go into the Lord's Supper this evening. I want you to see three things that are a close look at Issachar, some vital, practical lessons for you and I. Notice, first of all, the distinction we see a very impressive distinction given to us about this son by the name of Issachar. He said, Issachar is a strong ass couching between two burdens. Now, when we look at the, the tribe of, Ze, uh, of Issachar as after, after we see this, this description or this distinction given by, 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 uh, by Jacob, we, we see a couple of things. Notice in your Bible, Judges 5.15. <clears throat> in Judges 5.15, like Zebulun... Issachar took on great risk and joined up with Deborah in fighting with the Midianites. If you remember the story there in Judges 4, the Midianites greatly outnumbered the, the Jews. And so Deborah was the prophetess or the judge of the time. And Barak, Barak was, the, was the judge that came alongside of her. But he just really didn't have the courage to do it. So she, she, she kind of rallied the troops together. And two tribes stand out. Two or three tribes stand out. And one of them is Issachar. And the Bible says in Judges 5.15, And the princes of Issachar were with Deborah, even Issachar and also Barak. He was sent on foot into the valley for the divisions of Reuben. There were great thoughts of the heart. Reuben was the, elder, the eldest of all the sons. But Reuben that no one from the tribe of Reuben joined up with Deborah in the fight against the Midianites. However, we find the, the men of Issachar and the men of Zebulun, the men of Naphtali, they joined up, they joined up the ranks and became this great group. They were, they, they were vastly outnumbered by the Midianites, and yet they took on great risks. They stepped out in faith. And I like what it says in chapter 5, verse 15. It says, the princes of Issachar were with Deborah. They lined up with her. They said, we agree that we need to fight this battle. We agree that we need to save the land. We agree that you need some help here. We agree there's something we need to do. That's a good thing about Issachar. Notice the second thing we see about Issachar. First Chronicles 12, 32. Would you turn there, please? <clears throat> First Chronicles 12, 32 is this description is given about the men who came to David and aligned themselves to David in those early days. The Bible says, and of the children of Issachar, uh, which were men that had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. The heads of them were 200, and all their brethren at their commandment. Hey, the men of Issachar love this passage. It describes them as men having understanding of the times. 
They weren't men that were moved by the trends, but they didn't understand the time. Let me tell you something tonight. As we live in the Christian time, I've been a Christian for 47 years, I've seen a lot of trends. A lot of trends going in this direction, that direction, books get written on it, everybody buys it, the books to find out. It's a consumer mentality. I've seen a lot of trends, but I want to tell you something tonight. Where there's a lot of trends, we have very few men who have understanding of the times. They have wisdom about knowing what's going on and understanding where this is all headed to. These men of Issachar, 200 of them were told in 1 Chronicles 12, 32, they had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. Listen, if you wanted counsel, you wanted advice, you wanted to know what you're supposed to do, you'd search out one of the princes of Issachar to find out what you should do. Hey, listen, don't go to someone who doesn't know the Bible for counsel. Go to someone who knows the Bible for counsel. Amen? Get your counsel from the Word of God. Don't get your opinion from somebody else. Don't get your opinion from the Internet. Don't let the Internet be your pastor. Make sure that the local New Testament pastor is your pastor. Amen? Issachar is a strong ass couching between two burdens. He's distinguished for his strength. He's described as a strong donkey. We see donkeys mentioned in several places of the Bible. One of the first mentions we see about this is here. Another one is over there in the book of Numbers. We read about Balaam and his talking donkey. Donkey had more sense than Balaam, amen? We have the story about Samson, that Samson, that, that uh, he, he, uh, he, he was messing, messed up the, uh, the Philistines, and, and so the, the Philistines uh, oppressed the men of Judah, and the men of Judah did Samson in. They took him, bound him with some, some new, 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 new twines and so forth there, and they turned him over to the Philistines, and the Bible says and over there in Judges chapter 15 that the Spirit of the Lord came upon Samson, and he broke those, those cords that he was tied with as if they were just little, little strings there, and uh, he was outnumbered and there were hordes and hordes of Philistines that were there and uh, he had nothing, he had no conventional weapon, he had no sword, he had no spear, he had, uh, he had no bows and arrows, he had no conventional weapons and he looked around there in the valley of Lehi and he looked down and there was the carcass of a dead donkey. And he looked at that dead donkey and he noticed that, that is, as it, it, was, it was a newly dead donkey and he noticed that as the flesh had decayed, the bones were exposed and part of that was the jawbone. And he took the jawbone of this donkey, which was very, very strong, and he took the jawbone of this donkey and the Bible says he defeated 1,000 of the Philistines. He took them right there on the spot. Now, I don't attribute that to the strength of, uh, of, of Samson as much as I attribute to the fact that God's power enabled him to do that, amen? But you notice we find the mention that he used the jawbone of a donkey. Other, other people look at and said, well, there's no hope here. I've got nothing to do. But he made the most of his circumstances there. We've seen another time that we see the donkey that Absalom rode, rode on into a wooded forest area and resulted in him getting his long hair stuck between the branches of a tree and be suspended from the ground. We see our Lord Jesus Christ riding on a donkey into Jerusalem to what is referred to as his triumphal entry. In Psalm 32, 9, we're admonished not to be as the horse or the mule, which have, not, uh, which, which have to be controlled by a bit and bridle and have no understanding. Listen, today we look at that and we must consider the description, which was a good description that, that, J, that Jacob was making about Issachar. Donkeys are animals that are very strong-boned. They're able to endure great heavy weights. 
They're able to go long distances. They're known as beasts of burden. A donkey is used for carrying and pulling heavy loads. They, they're known for carrying these loads and going long distances. People know that donkey's shoulders and their bones are very strong. He describes them as being very, very strong. The back of a donkey is made to endure heaviness. Throughout the Bible, just as, as Jacob was talking about Issachar being strong, throughout the Bible, God says about his people that we are to be strong. We're to be strong in the Lord. Would you consider some verses, if you look at your notes tonight, that speak to us and encourage us about being strong. Joshua 1 9, have not I commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage, be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. You know the story there, three times in Joshua chapter 1, Joshua, the mantle of Moses is passed to Joshua, Joshua's been in the shadow, he's been the soldier, he's been the servant of Moses, he was very content for 40 years being in the shadow, he was for 40 years content with being the follower of executing what needed to get done, but now the time came where Moses was dead and we start off Joshua chapter 1 it says Moses my servant is dead and God gives the gives the mission over to Joshua he says Joshua I need you to be strong you're going to take the children of Israel over there into the promised land you're going to have to conquer some land you're going to have to fight some battles and you have to understand Joshua had been fighting battles for the last 40 years Joshua had started going into the promised land before he went into the promised land the wilderness he was 40 years old now he's about to go into the promised land he's 80 years old he's an older man he's fought his battles but that didn't change him that didn't deter him but God had to remind him, listen, as much as you revere Moses, Moses is gone, and now you're taking the mantle, and you've got to go on. He says, be strong, uh, Joshua, be strong in the Lord. First Chronicles 28, 20, we find David telling Solomon, and David said to Solomon, his son, be strong and of a good courage, and do it. Fear not, nor be dismayed, for the Lord God, even my God, will be with thee. He will not fail thee, nor forsake thee, until thou hast finished all the work for the service of the house of the Lord. He said, Solomon, you're, gonna, you're, you're, you're entrusted to build the house of God. He said, you're going to build the temple that God said I couldn't build. He said, I was a bloody man. He said, I was a man of war and I would not have that privilege. But he said, it's invested in you. He said, I've made great preparations. The money is set aside. Now you've got to raise up the workers and you've got to get the artisans and you've got to get the workers and the contractors and everyone to do it. And he said, Solomon, be strong and of good courage and do it. He said, listen, be strong. Look over at Daniel chapter 10, verse 19. Daniel there is during the third year of Cyrus the king and he sees a vision of God. He's very troubled by this vision of God. He sees the appearance of our Lord Jesus Christ there and Jesus comes to him and as he sees this vision as an older man, he's very troubled as to whether or not this is talking about a coming judgment. And listen, as ju the Bible says that Daniel kind of went into a coma type trance at that moment of time. He was scared and he was concerned. He didn't know what to do and basically the strength that left him and God came alongside of Daniel and Daniel 10, 19, he said, and he said, oh man, greatly beloved. And may I say tonight, Never, never underestimate the fact that you are a man and you're a woman greatly beloved by our God. Amen. Oh, man, greatly beloved, fear not. Peace be unto thee. Be strong. Yea, be strong. And when he spoke to me, I was strengthened. And he said, let my Lord speak for thou strengthened me. Hey, can I encourage you this, morning, this evening? Not only get started, but get your roots in deep this year. 
get your devotion time and get in your Bible and read your Bible and be strong as the Lord speaks to you, amen? He speaks to you something. Be strong in the word of God. Be strong in doctrine. Be strong in truth. Be strong in your conviction. He spoke to Daniel and he said to Daniel here, he, said, he spoke to him and Daniel said, I was strengthened and said, let my Lord speak. Hey, tell God, give me more, Lord. Give me more, Lord. Give me more. Give me more Bible. Give me more truths. Give me more to strengthen me with there. Later on, Daniel eleven thirty two. this is what he said, and such as do wickedly against the covenant shall he corrupt by flatteries. But notice, the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. And Paul, as he's writing the wonderful letter to the church at Ephesus, first three chapters, he's talking about our riches and glory in Christ Jesus. He talked about our forgiveness. He talked about we're accepted in the beloved. He talked about the indwelling of the Holy Spirit of God. And the Holy Spirit of God is the earnest of our inheritance and we're sealed with that spirit of redemption. He talked about how he prayed for them. He talked about the grace of God working in their lives. He talked about the fact that they were, they were no longer strangers and aliens, but they were fellow, soul, fellow citizens of the household of God. He talked about the fact that God loved them and then abounded in the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he gets over into chapters 4, 5, and 6. And he goes from the riches of glory we have in Christ Jesus, and he talks about our responsibilities we have in Jesus Christ. Let me remind you tonight, it's good to meditate about how good God is, and it's good to think about all the blessings of God, but with those blessings and with the goodness of God, God has vested us that we have responsibility. That doesn't mean we sit back and don't serve God. Hey, can I tell you tonight, we need to be busy serving God tonight. The people that do know their God shall be strong. They do great exploits. So in Ephesians 6.10, he says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. He said that as a preceding the necessity of putting on the whole armor of God. 2 Timothy 2.1, Paul writing to Timothy. Well, he's in the Mamertine prison. I've said this many times as he, every day woke up, he could, down in that dungeon beneath, you could probably hear the executioner sharpening the edge of his axe, getting ready for that day when the head of the apostle Paul would be severed from the rest of his body. Paul wasn't scared. Paul did not fear death. Paul said, I fought a good fight. I've kept the faith. I finished my course. But he had a young preacher that had taken, that he, he, had, he had brought into the church at Ephesus, who now was his pastor. And as the pastor of the church, he assumed the leadership and overseeing the church, but he faced many, many challenges. He faced challenges of those who were not of the same doctrinal persuasion and were preaching heresy and teaching heresy, and some who, who rebutted the leadership of Timothy and took advantage of the fact that he wasn't bold and strong like the apostle Paul, and he was more of a timid, friendly nature, and they took advantage of Timothy. And Paul had to write to Timothy and said, Timothy, you got to stay there in Ephesus. Timothy, don't leave. He said, Timothy, dig your heels in deep. And we get to 2 Timothy 2.1, he says, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Look again at Genesis 49, 14. Issachar is a strong ass couching between two burdens. It's a good thing that we can carry a load, not complain. It's a good thing that we carry a load and do not buckle under the heavy burdens of life. If you've got a lot of ministries, as some of you do, thank God God has strengthened you to carry the burden of those ministries. 
Don't buckle under the load and start complaining. Look at here. He says he's a strong donkey. He says it's a good thing when we're strong, when the going gets tough. As Christians, we must be strong. May I encourage you tonight? Be strong and have a time of daily devotions. Be strong and read through your Bible, not just once, not just twice, but maybe three times through this year. Be strong, commit to praying an hour more per day. And many of you made a, you made a covenant with God last, this last April. To pray an hour a day with God may I encourage you, go beyond an hour, go an hour and a half. But be strong. Be strong and resist the devil. Be strong and be a soul winner for Jesus Christ. Be strong and organize your time and your day so that you spend your time productively. Be strong and surrender to the call of God to be a preacher of the gospel, young man. Be strong and do the will of God. Be strong and be in church when we have services. Be strong when you go through a storm. Be strong if trials come your way this year. Be strong when things go bad. Be strong and go all in. This car was called a strong donkey. Donkeys are designed to keep going. Donkeys are designed to stay upright when they carry the load. Donkeys are designed to carry much more. Don't quit easily. Don't let the heat of the day make you wither. Don't let the load on your shoulders weigh you down. Don't let the distance of the journey make you discouraged. Don't be jaded if you're the only one carrying a load. Don't be worried about what the other donkeys are carrying if they're carrying nothing. You just be concerned with what God gave you. That's what God trusted you with, amen? Wilma Rudolph was born. She was born with polio. And there was a day back in, back in the day when they didn't have polio vaccines. And polio was a very terrible thing. Many children were born with that. Her parents were carrying her, and she had one foot that was inverted this way. Both legs were crooked. She had to wear braces during those early years of her life. Her parents paid... The money necessary for her to go through therapy was painful therapy, excruciating therapy. Was therapy causing her much trouble, but she endured. She went through the peer therapy. She got the therapy done. She went through that, and she was able to walk, uh, walk normally like most of us, except with a little bit of a limp, but she was able to walk normally. And Norma just desired as a young girl to have the, have the same ability like other young people and other teenagers. She wanted to play sports. She wanted to run and do things. And she took an interest in basketball, but she was not very well coordinated. And she, she failed very terribly. And she couldn't make a team. She could even, even just, she failed on the tryouts. And, but she said, I'm going to practice. I'm going to get on the team next year. And she was at the age of 12. And she chose one girl that was a team player on the bas girls' basketball team and two boys who played on the boys' basketball team. And she asked those three, every day after school would you practice with me and every Saturday would you practice with me and on Sunday afternoons would you practice with me and Wilma Rudolph she'd practice with him and she learned to dribble she learned to get her coordination she learned how to move she learned how to stop and pivot and all those types of things she learned how to do all those things and listen the day came when, Rudolph, when Wilma Rudolph applied again the very next year for the basketball team and she actually made it and played first string she was playing in a high school basketball game in a the Olympic coach came by and saw her hustle, saw her run. The Olympic coach said, hey, Wilma, you ever thought about racing and running track? She said, not, not really, sir. You ought to consider running track. You, you show good form. You show resilience and strength. And you show hard work and determination and focus. He says, and you got good speed and you, you, you got good coordination. Here's a girl that didn't have coordination at one time. He said, I, I want you to consider learning how to run track. He said, I'll train you. 
He trained her. It was hard. It was really hard. But she ran. And she ran. And she ran. And she practiced. She ran. She got up early in the morning. Other people barely had turned over in their sleep. She was up early in the morning at the track, sometimes 5 o'clock in the morning, running that track, working it out. She won many amateur races and school races. The day came, the coach said, you know, Wilma, I think I'd like you to apply to run in the Olympics. She said, me? Really? Me? Yeah, Wilma, I think you can run the Olympics. She worked, she trained, she made the cut. She went to the 1956 Olympics and she failed miserably. Miserably. She was at the place where she just hung her head in embarrassment and shame, wondered, why did we spend all the money to send me here anyway? But as she thought about it for a minute, she pitched a pity party for just a few moments. She thought, you know what? I'm coming back here in 1960. I'm coming back to these Olympic Games in 1960, and I'm, gonna, I'm determined I'm going to come back. I'm going to train, and I'm going to work, and I'm going to train, and I'm going to work, and I'm going I'm to be stronger at this, and she did. And listen, if you know the story about Wilma Rudolph, she went to the Olympics, and in 1960, she was the first woman to win three gold Olympic medals in track and race, track and field. Be strong. Be strong. Issachar is described by his distinction. Notice number two. Issachar had a distraction. We see his impressive distinction. We see his ill-timed distraction. What do you mean he's distracted? Look again. Are you with me? The lights are out. I don't know if you're napping. Amen? I can't see the white of your eyes. That's scary. By the way, we're not going theater mode on church. It's just we're having trouble. The heater was on. It's affecting them. We're not going theater mode. Be, be okay. Don't, don't get nervous now. Amen? Notice verse 14. He was strong, but notice the description. He's couching between two burdens. Let's read that together. Issachar is a strong ass couching between two burdens. What does that mean? He's laying low. He's laying low. Wait a minute. Donkeys are supposed to be upright. The two, the two burdens can be con- perceived as, as heavy loads, but they're not. They actually can be translated to sheepfolds. He's laying low when he should be upright. He's lying down when he should be moving. Hey, there's a, there's a challenge here. Issachar is a strong donkey couching between two burdens. He's laying low when he should be upright. He should be, move, he should be moving, but instead he's staying down. He's laying low. He's couching between two sheepfolds. These are two sheepfolds, two different sets of flocks where somebody needs to lead the flocks out into the field so they can eat. Somebody needs to lead the, the flock to the, to the still waters where they can drink. Somebody needs to go after the straying sheep that's gone astray. Somebody needs to do that. But this car, he's strong. And he's able to carry the burdens, and he's got the heavy shoulders, and he's got the makeup and the ability and the training and the maturity, but he's not doing what he should be doing. He's laying low. He's couching between the two burdens. He's supposed to be guarding the sheep, and he's laying low. 
supposed to take the sheep out to feed them. He's laying low. He's supposed to be going after them when they go astray, and he's laying low. He had a full day schedule, but he's laying low. Laying low is when we're being slothful, when there's work to do. Laying low is leaving the work unattended. Laying low is being indolent. Laying low is having an indifferent attitude. Let somebody else do it. There's other strong donkeys along, along the way. He's counting between two burdens. Hey, they were his burdens. Not somebody else's burdens. They were his. He's couching low. He's laying low. He's taking his time. He's taking his ease. He doesn't care what's going on. He doesn't care about the responsibility. He is strong. He's well-bodied. He's able to do it, but he's laying low between the two burdens. But there's something else that's said about him. Would you notice this? This car is a strong-ass couching between. He's laying low between two burdens. And notice this. In verse 15, he saw that rest was good, the land that it was pleasant. He saw the rest was good, the land was pleasant. You with me? Why do I need to carry the burden? Rest is good. Why do I need to carry the burden? My career is on an upper trend. The land is pleasant. Why do I need to carry the burden? My portfolio is doing well. Why do I need to keep the burden? We got a pastor anyway. Let him do it. Why do I need to keep the burden? Let Brother Danny do it. Why do I need to carry the burden? We got 20 choir members, and there's a whole bunch of you that could sing very well, could read music. You ought to be in the choir. He saw the rest was good and the land was pleasant. It was a time to pick up the burdens. It was a time to get on going. It was a time to move on for the Lord. It was a time to carry his load and not complain about it. It was time to carry that load and take on even more and go a long distance and realize wherever he leads me, I will go. But instead, he saw that rest was good and the land was pleasant. So he decided, you know, I'm just going to take my rest right here. I'm going to take my early retirement right here. I'm just going to see. I'm just going to take my vacation here and I'm going to vacation from God. Let me tell you, you take your vacation, but you're still a full-time Christian. Don't turn off the Bible and turn off Jesus just because you went down somewhere else to go on vacation. You might be on vacation, but you still are a child of the king. You represent the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. Amen. You might be on vacation. You're not on vacation from God. He became distracted with taking it easy when there was still much more work to do and many burdens that needed to be borne. You know, the work of Christ suffers terribly when God's people get distracted with enjoying the land to the neglect of God's work. He was strong. Hey, he's in the best years of his life. He's not an old donkey. He's a young, robust donkey. He's strong. Robust donkeys, you get around them, they kick. They can be mean. You can feed them, they'll bite your hand. They snort on you, and that's not good, amen? They're robust. He's strong. Hey, you're in the best years of your life. 
Best opportunities you ever will have. Listen, we've got more opportunities to win the world to Jesus Christ and we are here the gospel of Jesus Christ than we've ever had in 2,000 plus years since we were given the gospel. But we're catching between two burdens and we see that the rest is good and the land is pleasant. You know what I'm talking about. Your best years, but you're laying low. You're taking your rest and you're not even in heaven yet. You see the land is pleasant. You want the fruits of the land, but you don't want to pick up your burdens. You want somebody else to do it. You want somebody else to pay the debt. You want somebody else to do the tithing. You want somebody else to do the faith promise. You want somebody else to be here early in the morning, late at night to open up and lock up and to do the cleaning and keep things clean. And you want to be there to micromanage and say, well, we didn't put the paper towels here and how come we don't have this here? And, uh, you know, instead of when we used to have a sweet attitude and a servant's heart says, hey, where are the paper towels? I'll fill it up. We scotch you between two burdens. You saw that the rest was good and the land, it was pleasant. Can I encourage you about some things? Hey, can I encourage you about some things? There's a lot of things I'd like to do for God. Well, I've got life. Well, my strength is where it's at right now. But what, can I ask some of you, would you take a day off here and there? Would you take some vacation time? And help us to serve around church so I could host some conference and train some laborers of God? Would you take some vacation time and get a buffer here and help me buff our floors? Do our landscape and do some cleaning here? Would you take some time and, you know, like our choir did this year, and I'm so thankful our choir, they, they put a lot of hours in this CD. Our choir and orchestra, they put a lot of hours in this CD. A lot of hours. We get the summation of the product in a couple weeks from now that will be made available to you but we don't realize all the hours. I hope you take a moment to write every choir member and every orchestra member and say, thank you for serving the Lord out of a labor of love. But I'm going to say choir members and orchestra, don't take it easy. Don't, don't couch low and, and don't say, well, I'm going to take my rest because the rest, rest is good. But there, there's a right time for rest, but there's a time to work. Time to serve. Time to win souls to Christ. Give some vacation time to God. Give your day off to God. I know you got ketchup. Some of you need to come back on Saturdays and start sow winning. We need more laborers. Well, I don't agree how we go sow winning. I don't agree how we go sow winning too because we need to win more souls. Yeah. It's time for rest, but it's not now. The land is pleasant, but there's more sowing that needs to be done. You know, developers are an interesting breed of people. Developers are the kind of people, they, they look where they can find any piece of land, they, will, they imagine putting buildings up where there's land. Do you ever see that? You go to San Francisco, you think there's no land left going somewhere, but they'll tear down, they'll buy an old building, tear it down, and they'll dig on, they'll go very, very deep because they need it for foundational purposes, and they'll build a high rise much higher than anything else before, and they'll put more people in it, and you see that all over the world, people just, you know, where there's this dense, the dense population, they do that. Hey, listen, developers see possibilities. I'm saying today, disciples of Jesus Christ should see possibilities. 
Don't, don't get the place where the rest is good and land is pleasant. You decide, I'm going to take my vacation. Take your vacation. Take your time off. But realize, we are the 20th anniversary of our church. I'm not going to let this church fossilize and become an extinct church. This church needs to get going for Jesus Christ. Amen? Listen, we started this church in winning souls, and we started this church in preaching the word of God. We started this church by taking a stand for Jesus Christ. This is not a time for rest to be good and the land to be pleasant. This is the time onward Christian soldiers for Jesus Christ. Burdens cannot be carried. The work cannot reach its potential. Preachers will not be called. Churches cannot be started. God's church cannot grow when our sight is on taking our rest and seeing the land is pleasant. Are you laying low? You taking your rest? The land pleasant? May I remind you what Paul told those Corinthian believers? Be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor for the Lord is not in vain. Solomon gives us a word of wisdom about Couching between the two burdens and taking a rest. It's in Proverbs 24, verse 30. I went by the field of the slothful, and by the vineyard of the man void of understanding. Listen to this. And lo, was all grown over with thorns, and nettles had covered the face thereof. The stone wall thereof was broken down. This was a property owner. This is not rental property he's talking about. You can, you go sowing. Hey, one thing about sowing, you can tell rental properties from properties that are owned by people. Amen? This was not rental property that someone was negligent of. This was an owner negligent of his own property. And lo, it was all grown over with thorns, and nettles had covered the face thereof, and the stone thereof with stone wall that was broken down. Then I saw and considered it well, he said. I looked upon and received instruction. There's a lot of wisdom seeing things that are broken down and dilapidated. My wife and I were with Brother Brinkman. Last time we were in New Zealand, we were with Brother Brinkman. He said, what do you want to do? I said, Brother Brinkman, I said, we didn't get a chance the last time, but I, w- I, want, to see, I want to see where... Uh, Brother Spur- Charles Spurgeon's son, I want to see the, I want to see the, the Spurgeon Tabernacle there in, 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 in your city. The son of Charles Spurgeon went there in the late 1800s. His father had sent him there, and he went there and started, and he called the Spurgeon Tabernacle just like it was an, it was an independent Baptist work there. Listen, that work was striving. Souls were getting saved back in the day. I mean, it was running the high hundreds, even in the low thousands there. I mean, that God was using that young man, but he had health problems, couldn't stay there very long. He said, what do you want to see? I said, I want to see the whole thing. The building, just as Spurgeon Jr. preached in, it was just like it was. Walked into the massive, large auditorium. One time it housed over 1,000 people. I said, get a lady here, that, that secretary. Have her give us a tour. I want to know what's going on here. I didn't see a pulpit like this. I saw a little music stand smaller than the ones we have here. No preaching. Ten different groups use the building. They're all different. They're all of different persuasions. They're not similar in doctrine. You know what's one description God has for that? Thou is a name that thou livest, but thou art dead. That's what happens when we couch between two burdens and lie low. And rest is good and the land is pleasant. And Solomon said, I saw and considered it well. I looked upon it and received instruction. Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. 
So shall the poverty come as one that traveleth. The one is an armed man. We see his distinction. He's a strong person. We see his distraction. He was laying low when he should have been standing upright. The burdens were next to him, but he didn't carry the burdens. He saw the rest was good and the land was pleasant. Would you notice the last thing we're done tonight? Would you notice his disappointment? Notice the disappointment about Issachar. Issachar is a strong ass catching between two burdens. He saw the rest was good and the land that it was pleasant. And would you notice this? Listen very carefully. We're done. He bowed his shoulder to bear. Wait a minute. It says he's couched between two burdens. Listen. He was bearing a burden. It's a wrong burden. He bowed his shoulder to bear and became a servant unto tribute. Underline that phrase, a servant unto tribute. You know what that means? He was forced into group labor. Oh, he served, but he wasn't a servant of God. He served, but he wasn't pushing God's agenda. When it says he became a servant of tribute, he was forced into great group labor. He joined the ranks of many others who made the same bad choices. He bowed his shoulder to bear. When you're under tribute, you're a slave to someone or something else. He bowed his shoulder to bear, but was to an unrewarding taskmaster. He was a strong donkey, but he was using strength for the wrong master. Hey, who's your master? Where are you bowing your shoulder to bear? And he's saying, you know what? He, here, here's Issachar. He's strong. He's in the prime of his life. He's capable. He can, carry hard, he can carry huge burdens. He's extremely strong. He's resilient. But instead of bowing his shoulder to the things of God, he's bowing his shoulder to another master. Everyone's a servant. You hear me tonight? Everyone's a servant. You're either a servant to the Lord or you're a servant to your lusts. You're the servant to the master or you're servant to materialism. You're servant to God or you're servant to gold. You're servant to the Savior or servant to sin. He wanted his reward in this life and he met with tragic disappointment. He bowed his shoulder to bear and became a servant under tribute. You know what he's doing? J- Jacob looked, 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 he looked with great disappointment. He says, here's my son. He should have upright shoulders. He should be lifting the load. He should be going the long distance. He should make it away all, all the way across his journey, but instead, he's going down the same path with other people who saw that the land was good and he chose rest and the, and, the, and the land was pleasant. He chose rest that what was good and the land that was pleasant more than he chose the things of God. Looking for a shortcut to spiritual success will only result in a disappointing setback. What a disappointment to disobey and disregard your calling. What a disappointment to cut the Lord and the church out of your life 
and pursue dreams that will vanish away. So I said last week about David. Lord, thou hast made my, my, day, my life as a, a hand breath. My days are nothing before thee. And he prayed a prayer. He said, Lord, make me to know mine end. Tomorrow, was, tomorrow God took you home. Did you do everything you're supposed to do for God? Did you make every decision you're supposed to make for God? If God took you home tonight, are you caught up with your tithes? Have you kept your faith promise? Did you tell your neighbor about Jesus? Did everybody in your family know you're saved? What a disappointment to neglect winning souls to Christ and have little to no crowns to lay at Jesus' feet because we bowed our shoulder to bear. What a joyous disappointment to be building your life on wood, hay, and stubble instead of gold, silver, and precious stones. One day at the judgment seat of Christ, seeing that wood, hay, and stubble go up in flames and smoke. All of us know William Carey. He's a great missionary to India. William Carey did not start off as a Baptist. I don't know if you knew that. William Carey started off as a Protestant, but he got under Baptist influence, and he became a Baptist. And listen, one of the great messages you can find on the Internet, one of the great messages ever preached or ever developed on, on scriptural baptism, on baptism immersion, was preached by William Carey. And he developed that message while he was on the ship journey, going from, from England over, over there to India. Probably about an hour in length in preaching it. Incredible message. William Carey had, a, had a, a map he made out of leather in the back of, he was a shoe cobbler, and in the back of his little shoe repair shop, he took some leather and made a map of the world, and every day as he was fixing shoes, he'd look at that map, and he'd look over the country, India, and he said, somebody's got to go to India, and somebody's got to go there, and one day, they asked him to preach before the British Missionary Society, and he said, listen, I'll go down there if you'll hold the rope, and some of those stout people who saw that rest was good and the land was pleasant said, you can go, but we're not going to hold your rope. Well, thank God for those who did hold the rope. Amen? Amen. He had a lot of struggles. Incredible number of setbacks. But he was strong. The heartache of William Carey's life is someone we don't know as well. He had a son named Felix. He poured his life into Felix. He trained Felix. He wanted Felix so desperately to succeed him to take his spot there in India because he realized it was a hard work and Felix had learned the languages and was good with the languages. Felix, as a young boy, got saved and not long after that, he gave his life to be a missionary. Did you hear me tonight? He gave his life to be a missionary. He publicly presented his life to be a missionary before God. William Carey said his son broke his vow when he Felix was appointed ambassador to the country of Burma, Burma, which is now Myanmar. When Kerry was up in arms, he said, son, you, you surrendered your life to be a gospel preacher. Son, you surrendered your life to stay here and serve Jesus on Indian fields where the fields are widened to harvest. What are you doing? He said, dad, you understand, I got appointed as ambassador to Burma. He says, do you understand what goes with that? Do you understand the open doors? He said, I understand one thing. You had a calling of God, and you're walking away from it. William Carey, you'll find in his journals, his writings, he said this, pray for Felix. 
He's degenerated into an ambassador of the British government when he should be serving the king of kings. Wow. Where you bowing your shoulder to tonight? Where you bowing your shoulder to? A lighthouse was along a bleak coast. It was tended by one lone keeper. When this keeper was put in charge of his lighthouse, he was entrusted with a canister of oil. The government official said, sir, you don't understand something. You need to understand something. This, where you are at in this lighthouse is very important. This lighthouse, because of the fog in this area and because of the treacherous rocks in this area, this lighthouse is critical so that ships do not accidentally enter to these shoals and damage your ships and lives will be lost. You understand, you have enough oil for one month's supply to keep this lighthouse lit. One month supply to keep this lighthouse lit yes sir i understand that it wasn't long until a woman came she said i heard you got some oil can you give me a little bit of oil so i can light up my home and keep my children warm could you give me a little oil well okay i'll give you a little bit the farmer came his son said, hey, I need oil for my lamp. Would you give me a little oil for my lamp? And he looked again. He remembered those words. You were entrusted with enough, months, enough oil for one month's supply to keep this lighthouse lit. Would you give me a little oil for my lamp? Yeah, I'll give you a little oil for your lamp. Somebody else came by. Asked for some oil for their engine. That was a little bit more oil than the other two. And all those were good requests. They were worthy requests. He thought he measured out enough oil to satisfy all of them so he'd have enough oil to take care of, the, of, that, of that lighthouse. Five days before the month was to end, he ran out of oil. The tank in the lighthouse was dry. The brightly beaming flicker of that lighthouse became dimmer and dimmer and dimmer and dimmer. It was gone. That night, the beacon was dark when it should have been lit. Three commercial ships, three husbands, fathers, sons, whose wives and mothers and families were expected to come home. All of them were lost at sea. They crashed into those rocks. Over 100 lives were lost. Word got back to town. The government quickly investigated what happened. Word got back that the beacon lighthouse was dark. They went immediately to the keeper of the lighthouse. Sir, we gave you enough oil for one month's supply for that tank. What happened? What happened? Oh, well, you know, I had this woman that came by, and she needed some oil for her, her little child to keep her home warm, so I just rationed just a little bit. And then this, this farmer came along, and his son said, hey, we need some oil for our lamp. Could you give us some oil? And I just allocated a little bit. 
And then this man came by who had a tractor and he needed some, he needed some oil for his edge and I allocated him a little bit. I thought I had enough. I mean, I thought I had no idea it was going to be short after five days. And listen, the government said, sir, you were vested with enough oil for one month's supply and now a hundred lives are lost because you fell asleep when you should have been working the work of God. Issachar, a strong ass, Couching between two burdens. He saw the rest was good. The land pleasant to the eyes. He bowed his shoulder to bear. Being a servant. Under tribute. Who are you serving? Are you laying low when you need to be upright? Are you catching between the two burdens when you need to be carrying some burdens? You've written off the work of God and you're at rest because you see that rest is good and the land is pleasant. Rise up, O men of God. Rise up, O women of God. Be strong. 2019 is just starting. Be strong. Be strong. Don't let go. Be strong. Be a strong church member. Be a strong Christian. Be a strong prayer warrior. Be a strong giver. Hey, be a strong soul winner. Listen, soul winning should not be the minority of this church. It should be the majority of this church. Winning souls should be the norm and not the exception. Getting people disciple in Jesus Christ should be the norm and not the exception. Build it up. Don't catch low. Don't catch low. Don't get your eyes on the rest and see the land is pleasant. Get busy for God. Work for the night is coming. Father, tonight, we thank you for this story about Issachar. So many good things about him, but Lord, what a, what a challenge to remind us about how easy it is for us to be distracted and to live a life of disappointment. I pray this evening that, Lord, you'd help us be strong. It's time to roll up our sleeves, recalibrate our vision, get our hearts in focus, bear the burdens Work hard, pray hard, do things for God. Help us not to waste our best years and let our strength go abated. Get our eyesight in the wrong places. Holy Spirit, have your way this evening through the invitation. They're all over the room we be strong. We lift up our shoulders. We carry the weights. We carry the burdens. We go the distance. We'll have endurance. Lord, if we've gotten out of sync and we become a servant other than to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, help us to get recalibrated in that area. Father, I pray you'd have your way. We're going to the Lord's table in just a minute. And I pray in our preparation that, Lord, we pursue holiness without which no man shall see God. Pray for holy decisions, holy hearts, holy attitudes, holy mindset, a holy fire, God, from heaven that you'll give us. I pray for this now, Lord, of you.